0: Around the NFL podcast is actually real-life friends with Move the Sticks. Welcome back, bogus,
1: to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Handis, and I am joined in a room that's filled with some heroes, Chris Wessling and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Ah! Uh, ah! Uh, it's tough to be at work right now. <laughs> Weekend Is that in what Vegas. those sounds meant? Bunch of dads in Vegas then the five you know four and a half five hour drive back to LA it, i mean it's certainly once you become a man of my age my late 30s now it takes a few days to get back so i'm just letting everybody know oh no pre-show grade from the old Zeuser as your host d minus whoa the gentleman sure? that's pep. for your own personal
2: my grade my own personal
1: the the our show pre-show grade i'll save uh for the end of this open this was your swan song in vegas i'm thinking about hanging up hanging up the cleats just like i did in
3: softball <laughs> It's like you, you turned this Vegas trip into what Ozzie Newsome did with his last draft in,
1: in right. the Ravens. Similar praise from the football cognoscenti. People you know? just standing up and cheering
2: you <laughs> as you walked out of the sportsbook.
3: We need a Spice Rack update because I saw some random
1: uh, tweets from him. Yeah, Spice Rack and I were in communication via text. We could not uh, get on the same page to meet up, which was mm. a bummer. But we did. I, I uh, did see a uh, around the NFL podcast listener approached me. And uh, said he enjoyed our work, which was really a great move considering it happened in front of all my friends. uh, And that led to them being filled with jealousy and envy, which is really what you want. Uh, You want to win the interpersonal battles with your best friends. With every. (laughs) Yes. Every interpersonal battle in your life. Yeah. So everybody else had to take stock. What am I really doing in my career, in my life? And I was just like soaking it up, doing the Pope handshake. Well, you really did win
2: the weekend, yeah. like Ozzy. It's yeah. great to hear you vocalize—you know—all these
3: things inside of your brain.
1: For some it. of these men, listen to the podcast too, so it might <laughs> be the end of the friendship. Wes, you also had a nice saucy weekend, I heard.
3: We hung out. Uh, the Paramore and I hung out with Tiffany Blackman on Saturday for uh, Cinco de Derby, and then uh, NFL
1: Network's on.
3: Did a little brunch action yesterday. Uh, the Paramore's cousin was in town from St. Louis, so
1: I went over my limit of fun for the weekend. Nice. I don't, I don't doubt that, Wes, that you had fun this weekend. Mm. Greg and you got down, I imagine. What? Got down? Yeah. You got <laughs> down. What does that mean? That's what the kids are saying? Eh, that's what the kids were saying in, like, 86. I hung out a lot with my,
2: my kids, but I did go out for a, my wedding anniversary. 11, 11 years. I'm I'm really about Tell that. us
1: about the whole night.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> nah. Okay.
1: All right. So, Greg uh, had a nice weekend, too. <laughs> we hope all the listeners had a nice weekend. It is now Friday, and this is uh, – is so what I'm talking about. That's how you get a D-minus. This is not
3: Friday. <laughs> it's not this Friday. It's literally
1: the f- opposite of Friday. It's Monday, and we have a nice show. We're going to plow through the show. The, the pre-show grade here, a very solid C+. That's the upside. <laughs> you oh, very solid. Uh, so we're going to do some news, including uh, Big Ben Roethlisberger making some interesting public comments about his own team's draft strategy and his new colleague in the quarterback room. Uh, saucy stuff. Uh, also, Chris Wessling wrote a banger. Top 10 offenses in the national football. I can't hear that siren anymore. I heard it all weekend. I, I think we'll go, we get got some banger on this one. So, so, it's stop not a good show. Turn off the show, everybody. Yeah, this is terrible advertising <laughs> for the show ahead. Speak for yourself, B-minus. <laughs> B-. uh, we C- got <laughs> So the top 10 office. We're going to carry you. We're going to carry, carry you. Football League. Yes, I like that. Uh, so there you go. That's today's show. And we're very excited to get to it and to start things off. Oh, and by the way, Cecil's not here. Still on jury duty. We believe all week. That's the plan. Do we believe that he's
2: on jury duty? Yes, I believe it. There's a lot of corroborating uh,
1: stories. Show your work. That's all I'm saying. Doesn't it seem like a nice, perfect (laughs) timing for an extended jury duty? That's all I'm saying. I believe him, but I don't believe that he tried his hardest to get out of it. (laughs) Literally begging the judge. I do not want to do three podcasts a week after the draft, please. Uh, So, but you know what? If you know the movie first, Bueller's Day Off and The Principal... Starts poking around to see if Ferris really is under the weather. Right. Might have to poke around a little bit this week on the podcast just to make sure Mark is where he says he is. I think this is a brilliant idea. Okay. Let's do some news.
0: He was great. I want him to play right
1: now. <laughs> that was a little jarring uh, to hear my boy Todd Bowles, the Jets coach, uh, get really um, excited about that, that was Bowles. He was asked in a press conference, uh, I think, on Friday to evaluate Sam Darnold's first practice, <laughs> and he said this. He was great. I want him to play right now. He was great. I want him to play right now. That's Todd Bowles. That it's, does not was, sound like Todd How jarring Bulls. is I that? Was, it was purposeful sarcasm on his part. But But uh, he'd never done that in four years, three years coaching He showed the Jets. more personality in one sentence than he did in three years. You could tell even the room, it was like nervous laughter. It's like, what is happening? Who is this guy? Yeah. Anyway, Todd Bowles. Little, we'll get to the Jets at the end of the news too, uh, but let's start with Ben Roethlisberger, who has been the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers since 2004, and he's been the starter that entire time. And he's a man that, even though he's, you know, contemplated retirement and told, to told us that for many years, uh, has a little issue with his team uh, going at, going ahead and drafting uh, Mason Rudolph. Uh, in the third round of the draft, uh, this, uh, past, this uh, last week or two weeks ago, so now uh, you have Ben Roethlisberger talking about it, and uh, he was on KDKA's Cook and Pony uh, in Pittsburgh, and he had this to say uh, about the situation.
4: I told them when the season was over, I felt really good and had planned, was planning on coming back for you know three to five years. Exactly what I just told you guys. Um, so I was surprised when they took a quarterback because I, I thought that maybe in the third round, you know, you can get some really good football players that can help this team now. And nothing against Mason. Uh, I, I think he's a great football player. I don't know him personally, but I'm sure he's a great kid. Um, I just don't know how, um, you know, backing up or being the, the third, who knows where he's going to fall in the depth chart, but helps us win now. But, you know, that's not my decision to make. You know, that's on the coaches and the the, the GM and all those kind of things. So, if they feel like he can help our team, um, so be it. But I was a little surprised.
1: Ben was also asked if he planned to mentor Mason Rudolph.
4: <laughs> well, I, I don't think I'll need to, now. He said that he doesn't need me. So if he asked me a question, I might have to just point to the playbook, you know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Listen that laugh at the end. Cackle! Wes, Wes, what's <laughs> going on here? I'm, I'm always <laughs> – oh that God. is
3: evil cackle. I'm always disappointed when people are predictable. I'd like to give him the benefit of the doubt when Greg's immediate analysis – after the draft pick was, is there anybody you'd rather you'd least rather have as your mentor than Ben Roethlisberger? I think or, that was the question. Uh, that yeah, it was. was the question, yeah, yeah and, and I thought, <laughs> let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he's not that predictable. Maybe he'll... No, he's entirely that predictable. And his little evil cackle, just because Mason Rudolph said, it's not Big Ben's job to teach me. Mason Rudolph was trying to be nice about it you know
1: can you use that cackle like honestly Lindsay like 30 times in the show I want it <laughs> it can't be enough evil Ben big Ben cackle today
3: I think that's that's a keeper it's gonna, yeah. be,
2: it's gonna be part of the show
1: all right so Ben he's being it's ca- like we have a laugh track now
2: like an evil big Ben laugh track for our show this is great <laughs> so Ben is not Ben is not good at hiding his you know the, the lesser parts of him Right. You know what I mean? He's just he's just bad at hiding that he's kind of a jerk. And he deserves some criticism for this and you know, don't don't be a jerk. The difference though between him and a lot of great quarterbacks is just he's kind of just bad at hiding it. It's like who could be a bigger jerk than Joe Montana was to Steve Young? I mean, you you couldn't be. Or Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, or probably a lot of quarterbacks when if they're in a similar type of situation, they just kind of quietly go about being a jerk behind right, that's the scenes. What you gotta do. It doesn't. It doesn't make Ben. A, I'm not defending Ben as a better player, but I also understand uh, the reaction of uh, you know Dave Damaschek, who's a Steelers fan, who is basically saying, you know, give me a break with all these people getting the vapors over Ben <laughs> Roethlisberger and <laughs> not being thrilled that a guy's coming in to potentially take his job. It is kind of a natural reaction. He he's sort of a jerk about it. I don't uh, know if it's that unique among my, quarterbacks.
1: My takeaway on it is, is one, Big Ben, pipe down a little bit. I'm not getting the vapors over it, but you have been talking about how you're going to retire <laughs> right. for like five, six years now. So Sorry, like sue the Steelers if they realize that Landry Jones stinks and they have to get somebody else in there in case you you get hurt or you finally do uh, follow through on your retirement threat. So I can't – I got – you have to understand where the Steelers are, are coming from on this. And one other note is that – uh Ben Roethlisberger once said that he would not be where he was, and he had so much help when he was young in his career from Tommy Maddox. Mm. So it's kind of like that pay it forward situation. But if you're maybe like, you know, a guy that laughs like this, <laughs> maybe you don't pay it forward and you just want to live out your career uh, with yourself in the spotlight the whole time. It's not just that he threatened retirement
3: last off season. It's that even though he says he's playing three to five more years, at the same time, in the same interview, for the second time this week, he says, I'm taking it one season at a time. After each season, I have to take a look at my body and see how I'm going to be. Right. So, of course, these Steelers are going to protect themselves. They answer to the other, the other part of their ownership, the front office, the rest of the guys on the roster, not just to Big Ben in the quarterback room. They answer to a higher power than Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> well, it's, <laughs> it's
2: funny too because it's just gonna make this a bigger issue. In theory, it's gonna it's really gonna make it more Davis. annoying for Ben Roethlisberger because now there's gonna be more eyes on this. There's gonna be more conversation about this. More questions about it. And and as much as the Steelers were happy to get Mason Rudolph, you know they're. General Manager Kevin Colbert said he was in the mix in their rankings with some of the top quarterbacks. You know, part of it's just value and circumstance. He fell to the end of the third round, and so they and so they took him. And or they, they, You know, if, if someone had really loved Mason Rudolph and taken him in the late
1: first or second round, he wouldn't end up being on the Steelers, but they got to do what they like because they like the value. He went all out on Cook and Pony, by the way. Not only <laughs> oh, yeah. did he express these issues that he had in the playbook comment, but he also went out and said, well, what about – uh, Joshua Dobbs, last year's fourth-round pick. If you take Mason Rudolph in the third round the following year, does that mean that you screwed up your fourth-round pick? Like He's going all out uh, calling oh, the Steelers. I didn't even Steelers. hear that. I oh, mean, yeah. That, that is I, – I mean, listen, it's we a little beyond the too. pale. Uh, you know what? Do we want to hear it?
0: Sure. Let's hear it.
4: Those – him and Randy, the two guys that thought the worst – I'll be honest, I'm, I wasn't worried about him coming and taking my job. I, I feel confident that I can go out and beat whoever I need to beat out to get – for my job, that's just the kind of thing I have in myself. And I do feel bad for those guys because, you know, Landry's still the real team, and I don't know what, what's going to happen. Mm. I assume Landry's still the two. I, I don't really know. Um, you know, and, and Josh, same thing last year. taken in the fourth round. Um, you know, so does that mean the Steelers, like, screwed up on that pick? Like, do they think that that he wasn't the one that they thought, or has he not developed the way they thought? why else would you take a quarterback in the third round the next year?
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> <gosh>. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what's going on. With Big Ben right now. He's going through a lot of stuff and I feel, I honestly feel bad for Mason Rudolph. I don't feel bad that he's in the NFL and he's uh, making a lot of money now, but that's a tough situation to walk into. Let's move on. Uh, the uh, Carolina Panthers have signed a new running back. His name is CJ Anderson. Uh, he was released by the Broncos earlier this off season. A guy that is, has a track record of success, Greg Rosenthal, and he joins a Carolina backfield that could probably use a little more heat between the tackles, yes or no?
2: Absolutely. Great signing. I was kind of wondering, what are they going to do? Because even if you're as high as on Christian McCaffrey as possible, I don't think you see him as 450 touches this year, and they had really no option. And C.J. Anderson was one of, if not the best free agents at any position unsigned, I believe. Certainly the best free agent running back I can think of.
3: I love the fit. Uh, I agree with you totally. I was working on this top 10 offense list, and one of the reasons the Panthers didn't squeak into the 10 spot was because they didn't have a power back. Mm -hmm. This fills that hole. He's a good complement to Christian McCaffrey.
2: uh, Didn't end up in Miami, who had shown interest in him, and I guess Frank Gore took that spot from him.
1: Fozzie Whitaker. Cameron Artis-Payne, also on the depth chart. So CJ is going to have a role on this team Good, uh, and potentially a very big one. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks have parted ways with pass rusher Cliff Averill. Uh, he was waived with a failed physical designation, a neck injury, suffered four games into his 10th season, uh, led Pete Carroll to concede uh, earlier in the offseason that uh, Avril will have a, quote, hard time playing football again. Uh, So Avril leaves the Seahawks and also the NFL because he took a job, Wes, with a local radio station in Seattle. So happy trails, Cliff Avril.
3: Yeah, he has been embraced by that community. Um, And we all know his work off the football field, building those houses in Haiti. Um, I believe he also built a school in Haiti. So good for him that he he has been embraced and he has a job after his football career. He's not officially ruling
2: out retirement for what it's worth. Uh, that if the doctors somehow cleared him, it sounds like mentally he hasn't kind of gotten to that hurdle that he's totally giving up. But it sure sounds like it, and he's got a nice uh, landing spot there. And you know, him and Michael Bennett signing within days of each—no, on the same day, I believe, back in 2013—turned that defense from like rising to one of the best that we've seen, and they won the Super Bowl. Didn't know, they sign identical immediately contacts? after? very similar contracts the first time first time around and and if
3: they
1: didn't incredible have, bargains if they didn't have a quarterback on a rookie salary they wouldn't have been able to sign those guys it's fair 5 years with the seahawks i remember uh he came and was at nfl network studios uh about 6 years ago and i interviewed him and he was getting jerked around by the lions who uh, weren't willing to pay him the money that he wanted and he goes to Seattle, and it certainly worked out for him.
2: I thought he could have won Super Bowl MVP. Being, we were at that game live, and that was a tough one to pick an MVP. Malcolm Smith got it. But Averill was my pick as the guy who made the, the biggest difference on a snap-to-snap basis. He could have easily been Super Bowl MVP.
1: Uh, the New Orleans Saints are moving on from Kobe Fleener. The Saints uh, are releasing the tight end. Uh, he signed a five-year, $36 million deal in free agency in 2016, but it just never clicked between Fleener and Drew Brees. He appeared in 27 games, just nine starts, 72 catches for 926 and five touchdowns. Uh, his season ended after a concussion in Week 12. Uh, I'm not sure what his status is uh, in terms of his physical availability right now, but uh, Fleener, a first-round pick of the the Colts, West had Andrew Luck and then Drew Brees, and it just has never happened for him. So you suspect that it never will. I do suspect that. He's never been a physical player, and now he's dealing with the fifth
3: concussion of his career that we know about. Uh, Rap Sheet reported that he's still receiving treatment from the final concussion he just dis- – and, uh, ended his season last year, and he still wants to play if he can return to health.
2: That was one of those contracts everyone kind of made fun of the second it happened, and uh, everyone was right in this in this case. Well,
3: I w- have you noticed the Saints can't just plug anyone in at tight end? It feels like they should be able to with Drew Brees, but Josh Hill never made that leap, and Kobe Fleener never was what they thought and, he was either.
2: And now they're bringing back Ben Watson, a guy who's done it there before, but he's he's old 30, man. He's 37 years old. I was kind of surprised that he's just penciled in as their starter, but this makes that very clear.
1: There are not many, I was thinking about this when I was reading the story. There aren't many, I guess, Marty Bennett, who we, I oh know we we're talking about Michael Bennett. Uh, how many tight ends get signed in free agency and then really do make a big impact? Uh, the list isn't very long, is it? No, you're right. You're right. Um, all right. You know what? This feels like a good time to... Check in with Mark. And again, oh, I'm not saying wow. I, I don't believe that Mark is in, uh, on jury duty. You're I, raising the question, though. I just feel like someone has to ask it because, you know, Mark could be doing some Mark things, too. That's all I'm saying. Like, the case could have been settled four days ago, for all we know. Has <laughs> any been, Is anyone doing any homework on this? I go to Vegas. I unplug. I come back in, and everyone is just accepting that Mark is, like, involved in the trial of the century. So why don't we give him a call? All right. I mean, I've got a family to worry about. This isn't on the top of my list. It's got to be. I don't want Mark to know that I'm questioning him. So let me just call him under the theory that I need to know more about the Kobe Fleener release. (laughs) Mark Sessler's thoughts on Kobe Fleener's release. That's why we're calling. Okay. Nobody let him know. Okay. All right. There are doubts. We're great actors. Because I know I'm not the only one with doubts, by the way. Maybe you know, you guys aren't speaking to them. But I know they're there. Now, if, you get, if it's a voicemail, it doesn't necessarily... Your call
0: has been mm, forwarded to an automated to voice, voice messaging system. Is not available. At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options.
1: Hey, Mark. It's Dan. What's up? Uh, Wes and Greg here, too, around the NFL podcast. Uh, Kobe Fleener, released by the Saints after two uninspiring seasons. Just thought maybe you'd give us a detailed... Uh, look uh, into your feelings on this move uh, by the Saints and whether Fleener has an NFL future beyond last season.
2: We, we miss you, Mark. We need you on this Fleener. Come
1: back to us. Yeah, good luck with that case. All right. Did you wink when you said case? All right, listen, I'm not saying it for sure. Mm. Moving on. That's just something to track. <laughs> your suspicions have been roused. Derek Johnson signing with the enemy, the former Chiefs, uh, star, signed with the Raiders on Friday. Mike Silver had this. Uh, the, ta- the team made the uh, announcement official. Uh, 35 years old. The Raiders continue, Greg, to add uh, veterans that are probably on the other side of their uh, their prime. Uh, do you think Johnson makes an impact for Oakland this year?
2: Not a, not a meaningful one. It just is another signing that I think goes to prove the reporting out there that basically John Gruden is running this front office that he's doing Yeah,
1: Reggie got pushed
2: out. I mean, I I don't I don't necessarily doubt that Reggie McKenzie enjoys working with John Gruden and fulfilling John Gruden's vision. Like they've worked to, he might, but it's clear that it's John Gruden kind of, you know, making these decisions and asking Reggie to do it.
3: So after playing his entire career or at least the latter part of his career in a 3-4 defense, he's moving to a 4-3 defense. I don't know if that's going to work. He played. He played. They had a four three in, in Kansas City
2: before, but yeah, it's thirty five years old. Regardless, it's it's uh, it's a lot to ask, and that's been a, a trouble position for them. On, and yes, it does, and, and it does not look much better on paper.
1: The Raiders are kind of a fascinating yes uh, team. So I, I was gonna say potential car crash, but I don't want to assume that these are all gonna be moves that don't work out because we don't know, but. Oh, I think car crash is one end of the spectrum of what could happen. Imagine yeah. it does go worst case scenario, and they drop a four and twelve, and Gruden has nine years and ninety million. Sold the deal.
2: I, it's funny because everyone's now so against them, and it's a it's a stupid, you know, nature of mine that now I think I'm going to root for them more. Like I just want them to be in the mix. <laughs> I don't want them to be the car crash that everyone expects. Well, you joining mo- me in that? because yeah.
1: I felt the same thing. I, yeah, everyone is so sure of it that I just want to be the guy that's like, well. Everybody shut up for a second. Let's just see if this guy actually can still do it. I,
2: I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just kind of more into them being interesting because it's become a cliche now, but it's true. The Raiders are more – the league is more interesting when the Raiders are good, and especially now that Gruden's back. Like, it'll, I think it'll be more fun if at least they're in the mix a little bit.
1: Uh, You know, we love talking about the booth. We love the booth.
2: We cover it. and Not, not, not many podcasts cover the booth as – as Nobody, heavily as us. nobody's
1: got the coverage of the booth that we got cbs announced announced cbs announced thursday that bruce arians will work in a three-man booth booth uh, with greg gumbel and trent green in 2018 um and uh jamie erdahl handles the sideline reporting for that team uh quick takeaway on that one chris wesley well i
3: like to rank all these booths throughout the year when i booth. watch and let's just say that bruce arians landed in the dream spot what? That booth needed some
1: personality. <sighs> he better be good, though, because yeah. he's not good.
2: I mean, you, Dream Spot as far you as... You could look at it like that, or you could look at it like he's joining a group that he can only improve to a certain level, okay. and I would rather see him at a certain... Do you think at, they'll
1: pull him down? So you're saying you'd rather him sign with a star team rather than a team I, that's kind of middling or worse?
2: Right, or he'd just be by himself. Like, like all I know is that... You do not want to run into Mark Sessler or or myself on the Sunday mornings where we turn on the old game at 10 a.m. <laughs> and uh, you realize you got old Gumble and and, and uh, Gundy. Pe- people make people are making comments. People t- streets talking. <laughs> streets are talking. I mean, when Mark would get it, it would like it would immediately put him in a bad mood too. I I totally understand it. Yeah.
1: I wouldn't. Say, I mean, I don't know where you guys stand. We're talking. We're talking Gumby and Green here. He had a he had a he had a podcast. streak
2: of Gumby and Green that was tough last season.
1: I wouldn't say that they. Maybe opinions vary on this. They never take away from the game. Where the point where I'm like liking the game, I'm watching less. But am I? Are they bringing anything to the table? Opinions definitely vary on that one. In other news, Richard Dych of the Athletic uh, reported that Joe Tessator and Jason Witten uh, will be a two-man booth on Monday Night Football, and Booger McFarlane, the good-natured giant former NFL player, is that a good way to describe someone? A good-natured giant,
2: affable fellow. I, there, <laughs> it's just on the borderline of offensive. I, I feel like I don't know where good-natured it came
3: from.
1: giant. I don't know. How is that offensive? I don't know.
3: It feels like a compliment to me. To that
1: point, it did ring a bell in my own head as I was saying it. Yeah. Is that okay? He's a good-natured giant. Feels fine to me. Yeah. Okay. He's going to be the, quote, field analyst of this team. And then uh, poor Lisa Salter. She had that whole field to herself. And now she uh, (laughs) stays on. She's the only one that survives the Monday Night Football Purge. She's the sideline reporter. So I guess she has to stay on the sideline. She can't move anywhere because you got the affable giant everywhere else.
2: <laughs> I think it's the combination of the good-natured even might be more offensive than the giant part. Anyways. He's a nice
1: I, guy. That's what I mean. I like is good-natured a put-down?
2: Somehow, I don't know. Okay, go on. I mean, with faint praise. I don't know what the word is.
1: Big Ben agrees.
2: The, the field, I think this has really good potential. I'm excited. I, I don't know Booger McFarland's. Track record that well because he's a college football guy, so you know it, at ESPN. But I like the idea of kind of the X's and O's guys on the field. I know they tried it with Tony Siragusa, so that maybe that wasn't the right guy to execute that uh, vision. But Lewis Riddick did it in the Pro Bowl, and I think Booger McFarlane, is very—he is a likable guy, and I think he's going to kind of add that sort of like X's and O's Likeable. sideline thing. I like it's Likeable. trying something. It's I would trying something.
3: I would love to be a fly on the wall in this. Meeting where someone threw out this line, "Hey, what if we revive the old Tony Siragusa rule?" <laughs> how how does that happen? Well, I think
2: the actual hopefully execution of it's going to be be a little different.
1: We hope so. It's I not mean,
2: it's not another sideline reporter. It's basically another guy that chimes in, not as often as a third man in the booth, but he's gonna he's gonna be chiming in with some with some exes.
1: The Siragusa thing was more than an experiment, by the way. It lasted years and years. it felt like it lasted decades. I mean did, I, did he ever contribute anything to the broadcast? Right,
3: but that's not Booger McFarlane's fault.
1: going would be like, uh, you know, throw it down to uh, Tony Sergusa. And he'd just be like, oh, from my vantage point, that was a heck of a play. Back to you. It's like, well, they're about to wear their long cleats. One, <laughs> they tried but out. See, that's Salters' territory, though. <laughs> that's where it gets tricky. Yeah. That will not be Booger's territory. R-
2: Richard Deitch reported this. And as part of that, he said 12 people tried out for that job that Witten Got and it sounded like McFarland was another was one of those twelve as well. So mm. he made an impression on them. I believe Bruce Arians was one of those twelve uh, too. Did not did not wind up getting the job.
3: Well, why why not just have a three man booth? I don't get this field analyst thing. They're just get trying the to shot, mix man. it
1: up, reinvent get the, the wheel, if you will.
3: See if it works. You sound skeptical.
1: I, I have no take. You, I think Wes seems. Yeah, to I don't
3: know. I don't see how that adds to the broadcast in any meaningful way at all. He said, "I'm
2: looking in these broadcasts for some announcers who can teach me things, and not enough of them are like that." Tony Romo is absolutely the so perfect example.
3: So, hearing Booger I, once every 27 minutes is going to... My guess help is he'll, he'll be something?
2: more involved, and that's going to be part of his role. We'll see. You got to be good at doing it, but he's been with ESPN for four years. This so they, has, they like
3: him. This
1: has the potential to really annoy Mark Sessler. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, you're right, and uh, and I think we all agree that. Monday Night Football was due for a change. Uh, It was not working, as we talked about uh, before um, Gruden left. So let's see if this this works. Finally, uh, as, yes, you heard from Todd Bowles earlier today.
0: He was great. I want him to play right now!
1: (laughs) (laughs) Regarding Sam Darnold, who's uh, in his initial practices as the future and the turning point in the history of the New York Jets, his arrival. I got a lot of tweets about uh, what does Keith Hansis think about uh, the move and uh, haven't had a chance to unveil the voicemail from Keith. But uh, now it is time. His thoughts on Sam Darnold to the Jets at number three overall. His name is Keith. He's Dan's dad. No
3: doubt
0: about it, he's a big Jets fan. What is he going to say about the game today? What is he going to say about the game today?
4: I think Sam Darnold was a great pick for the Jets. He's the man they wanted from the beginning, and I believe he has the intangibles needed to be a star in the NFL. Um, The Jets are certainly due. They've drafted 24 quarterbacks since 1976 in an an effort to replace my hero, Joe Willie. Go
1: Jets. (laughs) He's very excited. Yes. He's very excited. I mean, my dad was born in the 50s, early 50s, And since 1975, he's seen them all, all the horrible quarterbacks. I just started – my Jet fandom really started uh, in earnest right around Browning Nagel in 92, mm -hmm. and it's been a hellacious hellscape of 25 years. Uh, Keith's got the Ken O'Brien, Richard Todd, uh, Pat Ryan, uh, and all the other bums in between.
2: So who was the best one they drafted in all that span? Had to be Chad Pennington, I guess. Is he better than Ken O'Brien.
1: Pennington and O'Brien would you've be had the some come. you've had
2: some top 10 to 12 guys and you say you claim that that like that that even that alone you'd be happy about that if you can just finally get a uh, a serviceable guy yeah. like that although I think now Sam darnold's raised the bar on that if he if he has Ken O'Brien's career mm, are you going to be happy?
1: no 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 I don't think' or, Ken or you, yeah I think if he i don't I, if he is kind of like a, a Matt Stafford type career. That I would definitely sign off on that. Okay. But the excitement of all this is that maybe he's way better than that. But But you know, Keith's excited when he's throwing Joe Namath's name around. That's true. That's true. When Joe Willie comes up, yeah. uh, And his name has been coming up a lot. A lot with Sam Darnold. I think Darnold is the right attitude to handle that type of pressure. But we're gonna find out. Oh, it's good to be a Jet fan right now. Anyway, in this exact moment, it is. All right. There we go. That's what's happening in the news. Now, Chris Wessling wrote what he calls a sub-banger. But, Greg, you and I both know that West is a, a gifted uh, football analyst, and he really has a way with words. Uh, so even a sub-banger from West. I, I don't even believe it. Well, He's what I'm saying modest. is. He's being I, I modest. in the off-season. How, I, you, I believe it's West. It's a very high standard for an off-season banger. A sub-banger from West, though, is someone else's supreme banger. So I <laughs> still think you should check it out at NFL.com slash wrestling, the top 10 offenses in the National Football League. So let's get into it, Wes. Now, my first question. First of all, let me get this list up. That's important. Here we go. You have at number one. Let's have some fun at the top. Okay. And some people are going to say they're a little surprised by this. New Orleans Saints, the number one offense in the league. Uh, what makes them to you? Are they head and shoulders above the number two team you have here, the Patriots, and then the Steelers at three? Or is it really kind of a toss-up? I don't think they're head and
3: shoulders. In fact, the Patriots led in every meaningful metric last year for offense. They were number one in everything. But they've also lost a guy who was one of the hottest running backs in the league down the stretch in Deion Lewis. They lost their deep threat in Brandon Cooks, and they don't have anyone else on the roster really who has that skill set. And they lost their left tackle, so there's a lot of questions on the Patriots' offense. They do get Edelman and Malcolm Mitchell back, and they drafted Sony Michelle, but those are question marks. Greg,
2: I I was surprised to see the Patriots as high as they were, so I I appreciate it. You know, as a as a Patriot, did again. you
1: see their last game? How they played on offense?
2: Incredible, yeah. And then and that and I think to your point, you just mentioned you know the options they have. To they had a plan eventually for how to replace. They don't really have a vertical receiver. Cooks, I think, wasn't exactly what they wanted out of a vertical receiver either, but they are deep at receiver. I think they believe Sonny Michelle will be an upgrade from Deion Lewis that has to play out. And one move that has, gotten, has been pretty under the radar was their trade for Trent Brown, who people around New England now seem to think has a good chance to start at left tackle, a position he did not play much in San Francisco. So we'll see if that works. Two seems high. I would not even put the Patriots number two. I would put... The Steelers, either one or two, uh, just because the the continuity you have with Rogers, I mean Roethlisberger, Bell, Brown, and that offensive line. So that's eight of their eleven starters on offense. You don't see a group that good
3: stay together that long, too long. The the Patriots have the greatest quarterback of all
1: time and the greatest tight end of all time, still playing as well as they've ever played. And you know Juju Smith Schuster is another guy you think can maybe even take a step. They felt good enough Pittsburgh about Smith Schuster to trade uh, Martavis Bryant. So you got to love them. The the Saints, though, just the 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 skill talent all over the field playing in that building with a quarterback who's a master.
3: Look for a weakness in that offense. We we talked about the tight end earlier, so that's one. Ben Watson isn't a guy who's making people miss after the catch anymore. Uh, But to me, the biggest weakness is the backup quarterback. If Drew Brees goes down, their playoff hopes are over because Tom Savage is their number two. Tom Savage is real. And if you're talking about only the backup quarterback as your problem, that's mm. a pretty good offense.
2: Yeah, Cameron Meredith, I think, can add something. When Mark Ingram is your second-best running back, that's incredible. I mean, the, the that duo and that offensive line, which had so many injuries last year. That's why injuries – teams that blame their season on injuries are – usually fans are just kind of taking the easy way out because teams like the Saints or the Patriots, for that matter, they'll have crazy injuries, and they'll figure it out. And that's Sean Payton, who is still getting it done as a play caller. After all these years, whatever reputation he has, like, he has earned it. Like, that is he is right near, if not the top of the list of the guys you want constructed. No hot opinion. butt. No. For Mr. Payton. His issues have always been... The rest the other side of the ball, even even during their down days, that they were one of the best offenses in the league every year.
1: The only only hesitation I would have, not that Drew Brees really showed that he was in any level of decline, but he is now another year older. And then Kamara and Ingram, that was an all literally the best tandem season of all time. Uh, Do they do that every single year? Probably not. Will they ever be that good again? Maybe not. Uh, so they need to kind of continue to perform in tandem at that level or close to it for the, this offense, I think, to be number one, but not impossible. Liz. No, I agree. And I look to fourth on this list of Falcons. That could be a model of how
3: the Saints running backs come back to the pack a little bit like Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman did last year. But that's still a great tandem in Atlanta. That's And then you add Calvin Ridley to the wide receiver core. Again, an offense where the backup quarterback seems to
1: be the biggest problem. Maybe the play caller? Yeah, I think Sarkeesian is the guy that I worry about the most there.
2: That's giving them some love, which I, I'm totally on board with if, if people have been listening to these podcasts the last couple weeks. Like, I am very high on this Falcons team to stay near the top of the NFL. But I think the perception out there after last season is no one, most people would not consider them the fourth best offense in the league anymore.
3: Well, I think most people look at they look at basic stats, like total offense, points per game. If you look at the metrics, they were second in drive success rate and second in yards per drive last season. Their they were moving the ball. Get off the field. We talked about this on the last podcast. They just had bad luck on turnovers and in the red zone. And, you know, some some of it is Sarkeesian's play calling. He didn't maximize guys like Taylor, Taylor Gabriel. He didn't get Tevin Coleman the ball in space enough. If he can get better at that, I, I think the Falcons can just as easily
1: go back to number one. If it's May, then Wesley or Rosenthal are writing bangers. You know the Chargers are going to be in the top five of things. Here they are sitting at number five, the number five offense in all football, according to West. Tell us why, Chris. Well, they won six of their last seven games last year.
3: They were one of the best offenses already, so I expect. And then the number seven overall pick in the draft, Mike Williams, really gave them nothing. We figured he's going to have a bigger role this year. Hunter Henry uh, I thought was a top five tight end by the end of the season and with Antonio Gates no longer around you don't have to worry about that. The offensive line is improved with Mike Pouncey coming in as the center and they've got a couple of second year guards that look promising. I don't really see a weakness on this offense except maybe running back depth. Mm. I, if I'm if I'm giving awards though for this list
2: just if I wrote an have article have an award. about the it's list, hardware. you know, I would give the award to uh oh, this is a mouthful, but you know, the fan base with the uh best chance to be pissed off award It goes to the Eagles. I mean, the Eagles are two spots behind the Chargers after dropping a 40-burger in the Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. I I just, and I get, and you can explain why you you put them there. They're behind some other offenses, but to me, they they have the best chance to rise if you make this list again at the end of the year because they have a chance, I think, to be one of the very best offenses.
3: Well, I'm not really going to put, the recency bias of the Super Bowl is like the you just deciding. did it back. with
2: the Chargers end of the season. You know. That's
3: seven games, not one. Okay. They, the Eagles finished ninth in weighted DVOA, 11th in yards per drive, and seventh in total offense. They were not like some juggernaut that people couldn't stop. Where were they before Carson Wentz tore up his <laughs> knee, though? They were higher. Because those... but now he's coming in off and he's not going to be the same quarterback coming off an ACL surgery.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm less worried about what all these teams did last season and more just projecting forward. And I love their offensive line in general. Do you
3: project uh, the loss of Frank Wright and John D'Flippo hurting them at all?
2: Not a ton. Again, and maybe I'll I'll be wrong about that. That I'm I'm because it, it's kind of hard to wrap your head around how much they matter or not. But when your head coach is, it's like if Andy Reed, and maybe this is giving Doug Peterson a little too much credit, but if Andy Reed loses his offensive coordinator, I don't think the Chiefs offense is going to get worse in, and So Peterson just lost it. I kind of trust in his system and his quarterbacks and their talent. And they're just a a team I kind of expect to be just very tough to defend week after week.
3: And if their quarterback was not coming off an ACL and LCL
1: injury, they would be higher on this list. Another fan base that is going to get angry. in Wes, I I think you could fend for yourself. Maybe you're not all the way back physically after your cancer (laughs) win. Uh, But at the same time, I know you could take care of yourself. But in Los Angeles – when you put those Rams at number seven, and you or number, number eight, eight, excuse me, and you got a team that led the league in points uh, scoring last year, they add Brandon Cooks, they got all that talent and arguably the best running back in Todd Gurley, shouldn't they be a little bit higher?
3: Would you believe the 2017 L.A. Rams finished behind the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, considerably behind the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, in drive success rate and yards per drive? The Rams scored a lot of points because they have a brilliant offensive coordinator but they did not move the ball consistently turnovers possessions short
2: fields they were good they didn't move the ball they were an effective offense i don't have a problem with them being there if only cuz the teams ahead of them are all rock solid the packers packers have aaron rodgers so right. i'm just going to put them ahead of the quarterbacks ahead of them are right. all
3: better than jared Goff
2: the the chargers you know you're high on them and that makes sense. I, I do I kind of expect the Rams to come back to the pack a little bit on offense at am, least this year. Am I
1: I don't think I actually I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one, but does anyone else think Jared Goff specifically could really come back to the back? I'm not going to say yes. rookie year Jared Goff, but maybe somewhere in the middle. It's the big it's really the main question for that
2: team because you look at their offense and they have Gurley, but it's not like it's the, a loaded offensive weapons around. No. They're good weapons. What happens
3: weapons. to this offense if Gurley goes down? They're in trouble. They're in big trouble. And so running back depth is, is a big issue for
1: them. Brandon Cook's Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. I like it's that. Good. It's that's good. A, that's a nice run, a wide receiver group. Not maybe all world, but they, they, can, they can get the job done. Tyler Higby, a tight end. Um, not exactly Gronk. It no, shows how deep exactly. the league is on
2: offense. That the Vikings, with with Cousins, who I know you like, with Dalvin Cook, who I know you like, and then Diggs and Thielen on the outside can only be ninth. I don't have a huge issue with them there because I don't know who I would put in. You know, I would put them ahead of. But that's a good looking offense to be number nine.
1: Case Keenum was um, a borderline stud last year in Minnesota's offense. We talked about that last week. Uh, that he was in a really great setup. Now, Kirk Cousins, who's a probably a substantially better quarterback, you should say, than Case Keenum, now steps into that offense. Wes, you put them in the bottom of your top ten at number nine, but some upside there to be even better, right? There is,
3: and a lot depends on Dalvin Cook. Again, I, I have a hard time penciling guys right into their pre-injury form when they're coming back from major knee injuries. So he's a question mark. Uh, The wide receiver group is one of the best in the league, I think. And the offensive line is questionable. Okay. How about a little love from uh, West to the Detroit Lions? Usually his punching bag.
2: Yet they made the list over a number of teams. But the Chiefs kind of stand out to me as the team that that I would be afraid to defend. I know we have to see how it goes with Patrick Mahomes. But just the weapons and the coach. They finished in the knocking on the
1: door category by Chris. Yeah, I'm. I mean, got to bust down that door.
3: I know everyone loves Patrick Mahomes, but Patrick I, w- Mahomes got to throw the ball through the door. That's fine, but the way I envision this offense, Damn. a young That's- quarterback is going to be making rookie mistakes. They're going to have turnovers, they're going
1: to have games where they're not moving the chains. It's going to happen. And uh because that is one of my principal roles on this podcast, the New York Giants not even getting on knocking on the door. Well, they don't have a good With quarterback. All those weapons. You need a good quarterback to have a good Hall offense. of Famer, Eli Manning. Saquon Barkley, who could be Todd Gurley. Peyton Park Manning's too. a Hall of Famer, but if he was Odell leading the offense Beckel- right now,
3: I wouldn't rank him high.
1: Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram. I mean, what else could you want? An improved offensive line. The Giants are going to score some points. I would want a good quarterback. That's what I would <laughs> want in a good offense. <laughs> I mean, I knew that would be your reply. As well, well, I mean, honestly, I have you not it.
3: watched the last two
1: years? Uh, last year, I am throwing out last year. No, I don't. Forget I don't mean. His, I mean the way he's thrown the ball. He's not the same guy he was. But I think the he way has he escapes pressure, a ton of weapons. You could argue he had, No one has better weapons than him right now, right? I mean, the offensive line is part of your weapons, right? Yeah. No, well, I don't. I don't, I don't th- think it's fixed. I actually don't count. If we're talking football parlance, I don't count the offensive line in weapons. Mm-hmm. However, it's very important that you bring up uh, offensive line because it is a suspect offensive line at best. Yeah.
2: We'll uh, we'll reconvene Wednesday on the offseason, Eli, is Eli Manning going <laughs> to screw up the Giants podcast? That's basically we should, what we are. We should
1: are. do every show from
3: here until September <laughs> about this. The Buccaneers, <laughs> Texans, uh, and 49ers, I, I thought all of those have a better, uh, more deserving of top ten mention than the Giants.
2: Yeah. They, they got on the outside.
3: Panthers, screen.
2: too. Yeah. 49ers will be fascinating. Weirdly, I don't feel like we've talked about them a lot this offseason. You would think they'd be kind of a, a buzz team. Like, I, I have a lot of faith in their coach and quarterback. The rest of it is, is coming together, and we have to see. Like, I don't, I don't know. They, they, to me, have the biggest gap maybe be between ceiling and floor. Of of just about any of these teams, certainly.
3: Their drive success rate with Jimmy G under center would have set an NFL record if it lasted all season. And that's not going to
1: happen this year. Uh, So check it out, NFL.com slash Wessling. I'm sure you'll get a vanity URL eventually, Chris. We shall see. A man of your stature within this organization deserves one. Uh, So check it out, uh, the full write-up from Wes. Uh, The next time you hear from us will be Wednesday, three shows this week. Um, and um, Greg is going to make a very special and extremely personal uh, announcement slash revelation on Wednesday's show, so you're not going to want to miss it. Wow.
2: Wow, I got to come up with
1: something. <laughs> Usually that's a bit that I would throw at Mark, and then Mark would get a little bit flustered and angry at me, but in this case, I had to go to you. You know
2: what? I actually have I have
1: something immediately popped into my mind. Wow. Do you want to share it on Wednesday's show? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to tease it. <laughs> So there you go. Now you got it, in. <laughs> Craig's a man that sometimes will keep the cards close to the vest. Not on Wednesday. The guy's an open book.
2: This is looking th- forward to this. this is, yeah, this is one. This is one that's been it's been bubbling inside my family for a little bit. I'll just use that as my mm. interesting.
1: Now, I, now I'm thinking I might have an idea of it, but I don't even want to say it. I don't want to speak it. <laughs> Not having another kid, wait. if that's what you're oh. <laughs> I thought uh, number three was coming. No. I was going to no. say you made a terrible decision. <laughs> We got to shut it down at two living in L.A., but it's not that. Okay, I'm very that. excited. No. And I got that. It kind of sounded like that. The open book. It's the Greg Rosenthal open book podcast coming up Wednesday, so you don't want to miss it. Until then, this is Dan are signing off for Chris Wessling, Greg Rosenthal, and Lindsey Fulton behind the glass. Woo-wee! <laughs> Till Wednesday.